everybody? Hey, there we go. There we go. So after Fran's uh, very warm welcome last week, I've actually recruited a few people this week to uh, be my little uh, supporting crowd. Um, it's so nice to see you all and everybody at home. It's nice to be a face on your screen. Um, and today we are carrying on the series on the book of Ruth. So if you have your Bible, whether it be digital, look, Bernadette's already got hers out. She's ready to go. So Book of Ruth is in the Old Testament, after the Book of Judges, before the Book of Samuel. Get your Bibles out. We're going to spend some time looking through it from the perspective of Ruth. So I've got the namesake character today, which is great. A couple of weeks ago, we had Dad speaking about Emelech and that God is king. Uh, last week, we had Fran speaking about Naomi. This week is about Ruth. We're bang in the middle of the series. There's a couple more to go. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. So I have a little bit of a confession to start off with. I hadn't read Ruth for a while and then asked to do the talk. So I was like, oh, yeah, cool, that would be good. And then I read the book of Ruth. And my first reaction was uh, uh, basically I didn't like her. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? Um, well, not necessarily bad. It was just my initial response. I did not that I didn't like her. I didn't like her culture, the culture she's within. I didn't like the fact her gender had a really big impact as to her situation. And I didn't like the fact that she seemed to be bossed around a bit by Naomi. And she just seemed to be... I thought she was selling out to marry Boaz. That is my truth, honest, first reaction when I read through the book of Ruth. You'll be pleased to know that's not what I'm teaching on. <laughs> um, and it's just, just the Bible should come with a health warning, shouldn't it? That it will do you good. When you read it, it will do you good. Doesn't, that, that also encompasses that it will challenge you, but it will do you good. So, Because when I read it, basically, what God was doing was revealing the state of my heart. As I read about Ruth, he was revealing the state of my heart at that time, at that moment, which I know I fall into certain traits. So some of those traits being thoughts like, so when I read Ruth's story, one of the thoughts I had uh, as a response, I don't want to be reliant on others to get somewhere in life. Ruth was utterly reliant on others to get somewhere in her situation. And then another thought that I had, I don't want to need someone else uh, to act in order to save me. Ruth needed somebody else, and Naomi needed a redeemer in order to improve their situation. So my gut reaction was, I don't want somebody to save me. Obviously, Jesus has had a word with my heart since, because we need a saviour. <laughs> and then another reaction was that I want to be able to forge my own path and my own future. So these were all my instinctive first reactions when I read through Ruth's story and from her perspective. And it was just a real challenge, because then I came away going, oh, no, this is not good, is it? This is my heart. It's got a spirit of independence, which is good at times, because obviously Ruth shows she had some real gumption, and it, uh, independence brings courage, adventure, uh, the willingness to say yes, all these sorts of things. But at the same time, it brings a sense of, I'll do it on my own. I don't need other people. I'll do things in isolation, all that sort of stuff. So just before I began, I was saying, like, oh, Lord, you're going to have to deal with me a little bit. And I, I messaged Sarah. So me and Sarah have been doing God's Big Story, um, the course that runs at Catalyst we've been doing over a year, and you, you learn more about the Bible. 
And so we talk a lot about the Bible, that sort of thing. And so I said, Sarah, can you read Ruth? What do you, what do you make of the book of Ruth from Ruth's perspective? And she came back with something completely contrasting to what my reaction was, in that she honours, she's humble, she's this, that, and the other. And I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, do a work in my heart through your word that I would know you better and I would understand more of what you were saying and doing through Ruth's life. So one of the thoughts that challenged me, Proverbs 12, 15 said, a stubborn fool considers his own way the right one, but a person who listens to advice is wise. So, you know, like, I will listen to Sarah's advice. I will read it again, and I will go again, and ask the Holy Spirit to say again what this story is about. And um, just in the fact that we, in youth on Thursday, we're talking about Jesus being, he said, I am the light of the world, and that we follow him. And uh, the Bible is a lamp unto our feet, right? You agree? Yeah? Yes. Amen. The Bible is a lamp unto our feet. In my 20s, I would say that I thought the Bible was essential to do life. In my 30s, I'm starting to enjoy the scripture as it being a lamp onto my feet in terms of my day-to-day living. And it's just exciting. So before we get into Ruth's story, let's just take a moment to pray. Because I totally believe that as God has been speaking to me through Ruth's story, that he will speak to you something which you need to hear right now. Um, It might not be something you like. It might be something that is encouraging. It might be a challenge. But we are open to God's word in our life and that it is transformational and will lead to good things. So, yeah, Father, we just come before you and just lay our own agendas down. Father, we commit our ways of thinking and habits which aren't necessarily kingdom habits. And say, Holy Spirit, just come and speak to us as we go through Ruth's story. And we know, Father, that you are a good, good father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's go through the story then. We're literally going to hit chapter by chapter, and we're going to go through five decisions that Ruth makes along the way. So chapter one. So we know that Ruth is a Moabite. We've had a really good context session over the last two weeks. Like Dad and Fran gave great context and history and all that sort of thing. So we know she's a Moabite, and that she's married a Jew, so she's now married into a Jewish family, Okay. Um, she is, uh, she's married Naomi's son. She never meets Emelech, because Emelech's already died. She has a brother-in-law, which is Opa. Opa. I can't seem to lock that name in. Opa. Annie, you're giving me a very serious look. Opa. Thinking about it. Sister. There we go. Opa. Try and say her name right. And she had a brother-in-law. About 10 years in, both these sons die. And both these daughter-in-laws experience significant grief, right? They've lost their husbands. So they're now without their husbands. Naomi is without her husband. And they have some decisions to make. Well, Naomi definitely is in a position where she has to make some decisions. So decision one. We enter the first conversation in chapter one, around verse eight. We're going to go verse eight through to verse 18. And she, Naomi decides, basically, Naomi has decided to go back to her homeland. She has heard the famine there has stopped. And she advises her daughters-in-law to return to their homelands. And at this point, if you, you notice in the notes, in verse 14, they literally lifted their voices and wept together. They didn't just have a little tear. They didn't have a little cry. It says they lifted their voices and wept which indicates to us that they had a really good relationship, like really good relationship. 
Um, and they were weeping over the fact that they were going to lose it by their circumstance. Their husbands have died. They've now got to decide to do things in order to survive, right? So Orpah then takes Naomi's advice and goes, okay, I will. And she goes back to her family, which in cultural context would make more sense. You're going back to your family, which is in your nation, that has your culture, your values. She had her family to return to. In terms of security and safety, that makes a better choice, sort of from the outside looking at it. And then we go through to uh, 16 and 18. And we've got this conversation now going on between Ruth and Naomi, because Ruth's having none of it. She's going, you, you've given me your advice, but I have a decision to make. And she says that she will stay with Naomi. And not only will she stay, you know when somebody gives you a proper good rebuttal about something, she says that she will go all in. She will follow Naomi. She will follow Naomi's God, who she will be familiar with because she's been living with a Jewish family, right? She will stay with Naomi until she dies, which is a massive commitment in that time because she could have remarried and gone somewhere else. And that she will also be buried with her. So Ruth isn't just going, yes, I will follow you. It's going to be better off for me that way. She's going, it's probably not better off because I could return to my home and family. But I will not only do that, but I will follow you. I'll follow your God. I will follow you till you die. And then I will die and be buried with you. That is all in commitment. So... There's a lot to be said there, which we'll come back to later. So now they've agreed. Naomi's gone, okay, fine. So decision one is done. Ruth is going with Naomi. They return home to Bethlehem. Ruth becomes a foreigner. We might now say that in our culture, she's an immigrant. She's now living in Bethlehem. And on returning home, they cause a stir. The women come and speak to Naomi. And Ruth has turned up as a... Moad, who is widowed, and the daughter-of-law in Naomi. So I imagine it was probably a little bit confusing to them why she has come with Naomi back to her hometown. They probably would have been a bit like, huh, a bit odd. And I imagine it probably would have caused some talk amongst the town or amongst the women or amongst the situation that was there. And then we hit verse 22. End of chapter 1, end scene. The narrator informs us that they have arrived in Bethlehem at the start of the barley harvest. So again, this could have been Naomi's choice. She could have planned it so they were reaching there at a certain time, or you know, it might not have been. But that's the end of that scene. So they're now in Bethlehem, and they're now residing there, and they're ready for the start of the harvest. Chapter 2. The narrator introduces Boaz and his family ties, which are very significant to the story, because um, he is related to the family of Emelech. And... Uh, yeah, uh, we'll find out more about him later on. Verse 2. So different, so a little side note. So this confused me for a little while doing the, the Bible study, is that in different translations, it'll say slightly different things. We know that different translations have different sort of flares to them, don't they? So I was reading the ESV a lot of the time. I kept hitting a verse where I was a bit confused because in the ESV, the narrator says that, um, that it almost implies that they knew who Boaz was already, before the harvesting season had already happened. But you read all the other translations, and it says that it implies that they didn't know. 
And given the way the story unfolds, I'm going to go with all the other translations. Because the narrator is just giving us a bit of information. It's not information that Ruth and Naomi knew is where I'm going with that one. So you can do your own look into that one. So now we have that Naomi and Ruth are unaware of Boaz. And their concern is we need to feed ourselves. We probably need to resource. So no, uh, Ruth then says, right, I'm going to go and go to the harvest field. So she's made decision number two. She decides that she will go and glean from the fields. And Naomi agrees to this. This is a conversation that they have. It's not just a decision Ruth makes on her own. She's then chatted about it to Naomi, and she says, yes, good idea. But do know this. Being a single woman in that culture, in that day and age, going out to work in the fields for long days was highly risky business. You know, we, our culture nowadays understands that it's dangerous for a single woman to maybe walk home at night. We understand that. But in this culture, for her to go and work in a field by herself with people she doesn't know in a culture that is not her own and a land that is not her own was very, very risky. So her and Naomi knew what they were doing, but they agreed that they did need these things. So Naomi sets, the roof sets to work. So Ruth, verses 5 to 7 of chapter 2, Ruth sets to work picking up the dregs behind the harvesters. And at this point, we find out more about her than maybe we have done at this point. Because a conversation now happens between Boaz and his harvesters' overseers. And they make some observations from what they've seen between them. And so from this, we understand that Ruth is on her own. They've noticed she's on her own. They've noticed that she is humble, that she is asked to glean and gather the dregs behind the reapers, behind the women that are already collecting the bits that are being dropped. They've established that she works hard. They said she's come early, she's worked till late, and she's working long hours, and that she takes short rests. So they understand that she's a hard worker. And then they also notice uh, that from, I imagine, towns, people's conversations, and maybe chat amongst the harvesters, is that they're aware of her kindness to Naomi. Her reputation has gone before her in this instance uh, about what others have said, and they've noticed her kindness. So, and because of these observations, this sets up the story for maybe when the Boaz talk happens. In her first interaction with Boaz, so Ruth and Boaz then have this conversation. So from these observations of Ruth, provoked a response in Boaz and a conversation uh, between the two that led uh, to Boaz was this. Boaz's response was, because of what he'd discussed with his overseer and he'd seen and his conversation with Naomi, he then showed favour and kindness. He said, only come and pick from here. He showed kindness. And in the same way, he was showing protection. Pick here, this will be safe. I will make it safe for you to pick here. He, uh, what else did he do? He showed provision and generosity. He asked his staff to drop stuff on purpose. Um, and he also invites her to come and eat with his workers. He's including her in his working situation. And then he shows her honour and thanks uh, for her companionship to Naomi. He sends her home with food to give to Naomi as well. So this guy is kind, right? So this leads to decision number three that Ruth has to make. So in verses 19 to 22 in chapter 2, We've then got Ruth and Naomi discussing Boaz's actions. You can imagine them having a chat over the coffee table going, 
oh, mum, I met this guy today. Like, well, I was in this field, he told me to do this, he did this, did this, did this, did this. And Naomi would have probably been so relieved. But also, at the same time, she realises the connection that he has to the family. And she recognises the offering of his gifts and the field just as an act of kindness. So at this point, choice number three is Ruth chooses to continue to work, and she works there. Chapter three, decision four, verses one to five. It's now the end of the season, so it's probably quite a long, hard season. I've never been in agriculture myself, but I imagine picking things, it's just probably very tiring, very long, very hard work. And so now... It seems like Naomi is now future planning. She's going, okay, we've provided, we've got food, we've got resource, we've got connection. She understands Boaz's connection to their family and that through their culture, if there's a member of their family, there's certain transactions that can happen that means that that person can then redeem them. They can be married and then their security is found and their land is back to them, all this sort of thing. So... Naomi is future planning, and she needs, she's no longer necessarily looking after her immediate needs. She's now looking to look after Ruth's future needs, and also it will then bless her as well. So Naomi recognises traditions, and maybe her age, and the lack of opportunity that would provide. But also understanding Ruth's age, that she will want to marry again and have children, because children was a very important thing in that culture in terms of having children, having boys, particularly in terms of maintaining generation and family and land. And so Naomi is then basically putting it to Ruth, going, this guy can restore and redeem us. And they know he's kind. They've seen his character. And she gives Ruth a bit of dating advice. So those of us that are single in the room, we know when we've received a bit of dating advice. Sometimes it's ill-conceived, sometimes it's really helpful. And so it's uh, Ruth dating advice. Uh, to, she says, pursue Boaz. And she t- says to him, lay down at his feet, do it here. Um, and she indicates, say this, and then he'll tell you what to do. So she's being all supportive of her uh, dating life right there. And let me tell you as a side note, dating has changed a lot. (laughs) It's not about lying at someone's feet (laughs) anymore. It's about apps. It's about swiping if you like and all this sort of thing. And um, so, yeah, so a little side note, get good counsel if you're dating because it's important. (laughs) So, yeah, so we've now got the... I guess if this was a movie, this is what it's all been building up to. You know, ooh, they're going to be, oh, she's going to put herself out there. And um, so we then get interaction two with Ruth and Boaz. Ruth calls him a redeemer. He responds in surprise and she, that she has not gone with a younger man. So he's surprised. He's obviously a bit older and she, he's going, you could have much better opportunities. Um, and then he leaves any fears. And he says, he will do as she asks, as she is known as a worthy woman. Boaz clarifies the situation and says, Naomi and Ruth have a redeemer closer than he is in their family connection. And he does the honourable thing, and he seeks to pursue the process to check that this other person wouldn't like to be their redeemer first. And this will get covered more at another time, I imagine, but it turns out that this person goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. 
And then Boaz informs him that actually the daughter-in-law is a Moab. And then the person's like, oh, no, no, I won't do it. So there's, there's more to that story there as well in terms of Boaz's honor and heart. Okay. So let's have a look. So they've had this interaction. What would you do if you've just had a, a really good date with a guy? You'd want to go and tell someone about it. <laughs> Ruth goes home and fills Naomi in on the story. And um, Boaz has given her gifts to then give to Naomi as well as a sign of favor. Um, so decision number five that Ruth makes is to go home and tell Ruth. But also Ruth then gives her instruction. So she's probably pretty excited at this point. My life's going to change. This guy's going to do something. This is exciting. And then Ruth says, wait. Wait for him to sort out the bit that he needs to. And then just wait. And it all will come well. So she heeds the advice of Naomi. And then chapter four, really briefly. And I'll leave this to the talk on Boaz as well. But spoiler alert, they do get married. Sorry if that's a surprise, but they do get married. And um, the, the bit that I would sort of really want to highlight is later on in this chapter. So at this point, they've got married. They have a baby called Obed. And the women of the town, who we hear about at the beginning of the story, have popped up again at the end of the story. And they say this to Naomi. Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be known in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons um, and has given birth to him, which is Obed. The bit there, which is really important to hear, is that they are saying that Ruth, is worth more than seven sons to Naomi. That's a phenomenal value in that time and culture. Like, that is ridiculous. The, the amount they are bestowing on Ruth there in terms of going, she is worth more to you than seven sons, is such a high, high compliment and praise of Ruth. So that tells us something about Ruth as well. And then the final spoiler alert, Boaz and Ruth's, Ruth's son, through the lineage of Boaz, Obed is on the lineage to Jesus. Woohoo! Yes! And that's just, you know, it's a really small story, but it all plays a part in when Jesus comes. So, winding this together, I had a bad reaction to start off with that provoked in me my independent heart. I reread the story as we've just done. And so, what did my heart, how did God shift my heart to seeing what he was saying afterwards? Ruth's life is fantastic at looking at in terms of making choices is probably what I came away from when I looked at Ruth. Big decisions, big choices, and rather a story of independence and stubbornness and pride. Uh, she followed Naomi, she followed God, and uh, she, just, she understood the redemption that her and Naomi needed as well. So the three points I'd take away from this it's an amazing story of a woman who lived out giving honour to God and Naomi. She stuck with Naomi and chose her when it would have been easier to stay with her family. 
She did not choose a culturally easy choice. Sometimes we talk about kingdom living, and that, and it can feel a little bit untangible at times. But it's just making decisions that aren't based on what is the norm of your culture, and going, if I weigh this up against what God says and his scripture, and make a choice there, that's, that's kingdom choices. Um, she was an amazing story of a woman who heeded wisdom. She put herself in front of somebody else to heed wisdom. She actively sought somebody, Naomi in this instance, to go, this is what's going on, and Naomi inputted into her life. It's an amazing story of a woman who chose courage. I love courage. I love to encourage, but I also also love courage. Um, it's, It's a remarkable asset for your Christian walk. For your walk with Jesus, like to pursue courage. She chose to leave her home country, follow Naomi and her God in a foreign land, and put herself in some very risky situations to provide for her and Naomi. Chose to put herself out there in order to meet and uh, ask Boaz to look after her. And the last bit is it's an amazing story of a, a woman who understood redemption, the need to be rescued, one culturally in that situation but also identifying Boaz as the guy to do that. And I think the slightly bigger story there in terms of what it is to be redeemed and need a rescuer, and this is the, the, the biting point for me as a person that loves independence, is that the Bible, you look at the whole of it, there's time and time and time again, God redeems people, God brings favor, God rescues. Jesus is our rescuer. We all need Jesus to rescue us. So our culture of I'll do it my way doesn't work in kingdom culture because actually we, we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus as much as Ruth followed Naomi. So just to finish off, how am I doing on time? No idea. Keep going. Wind it up. <laughs> Keep going. That's what that means, just in case you don't know. Is quick. Read the story again and ask God to speak to you. Two, if you are making big decisions at the moment, and, or even little decisions, but you're not sure, heed counsel. Seek someone out to speak to that is, you know of good character-wise and is after God's heart. Three, be challenged. What are you going to do with what we've talked about from this talk this week? How's it going to actually work out in your life, in your day-to-day relationships and decisions? And then finally, we are just going to pray together. We're going to use John 14, 16 and Ephesians 1, 15 to 19 just to invite the Holy Spirit to teach us. We might not be able to sing together properly, but we can speak together. So we're going to say this together, okay? So we got it up there, John, yeah. So join in with me if you're at home, say it out loud. We're going to declare God's word, God's life, the Holy Spirit over what we're learning. So I ask the Holy Spirit, the helper, whom the Father has sent in Jesus' name, that he will teach me all things and bring to my remembrance all that he has said to me. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened so that I know what is the hope of his calling What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards me who believes? Amen.